Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment has been brought to you by Gorilla Strength Equipment. They build the equipment that we all use. They take great pride in what they do and believe wholeheartedly that things worth doing are worth doing right. Everything they send out, they're proud of, and every single item that comes out of that shop has a lifetime warranty. Just as important as producing heavy-duty quality equipment is providing top-notch customer service, their number one purpose in life is to make a difference by helping people. Their goal is not to make a transaction with a customer. That doesn't mean shit. It's to create relationships, build friendships, and help people achieve their goals. The home gym craze is really just gone crazy. People aren't wanting to go pay 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks, you know, to go to a gym and spend, you know, several hours of their life there. They're trying to do it in their home. They're trying to do it in the garage, trying to do it in the basement. They're just trying to get it done. So this is a place you want to go to. Gorilla Strength Equipment will make just about anything. The creative mind that David Dennis has is unfathomable. I'd, I've helped him design stuff myself for strongman events. You might have seen our equipment at Mammoth Strength Challenge. You might have seen it at Kentucky Strongest. You might have seen it at the Arnold Amateur World Championships. Last year, we just used the Bubba Bar as the axle deadlift for that championship. Now, we were able to load that bar up to over 700 pounds. There was no flex. None. None whatsoever. And we still had enough room to put another 400 pounds of bumper plates on there. See, they make great stuff. You need it. I need it. I use them all the time. I've got hubs. I've got axles. I've got bars. I've got grip stuff. Everything that you could ever need from Gorilla Strength is there. You need to contact them and let them know. Now, we're running a special deal for you. If you're listening to this podcast, if you use the coupon code H2OCAST, that's H2OCAST, when you do your checkout, you can get a Bubba Bar at the low, low price of $120. That's shipped. That's everything included. That's called you spend $120 and it's going to get delivered to your house. That is fantastic. You're not going to find another deal like that. Now, these are the same bars that we used at the Arnold Championships, the Amateur, Amateur World Championships. We use these bars. They're fantastic. So if you go online, you go to GorillaStrength.us and you use the coupon code H2OCAST, it's H2OCAST, then you can get these very, very, very special bars for only $120 shipped to your house. Normally, they're $150, so you're getting 30 bucks off. This is a huge discount, everybody. Go and check out David Dennis at GorillaStrength.us. So, uh, who is Brooke? Let's just jump right in. Like, who is Brooke? Let's go from like the start. Let's do... Uh, I say let's do the childhood thing. Let's go from like <laughs> the bare minimums because so many people in our circle know you from Strong Woman. They know you to be this very large personality, and you know you're you're pushing major weights and you're winning all kinds of cool shit like this awesome trophy behind me. And I don't feel like a lot of people know you before that time. Okay, well I think the earliest start would be like when I was nine. I remember being made fun of for my weight. And I was trying to be an artist. And so I remember weighing as much as my pregnant aunt and uh, at 10 years old. So I don't know. Didn't know anything about fitness then. Struggled with my weight all through teens. And still didn't even go to a gym until I was like 27. I just knew nothing about it. 
Just no interest, no nothing. Just didn't... nobody in my circle, like or people I looked up to, even went. So I didn't know gyms existed. I knew people ran, mm-hmm. and I thought that's what would be expected of me. Um, so, yeah, later in t- 2013, I ran one of every race and finished with a marathon. So, and then I was introduced to strongman in 2014 with so, three weeks to train for my first competition. So that's again, a good, that's I, a good way to start. Yeah. I talk just all like, the new just people. Jump that. in. Yeah. Go. You don't need to be strong. No, you just got to do it. But then once I got there, you're like, Oh wow. Like women look all different ways. And, uh, didn't matter because it was all on how much can you lift. Mm-hmm. So it really opened up my eyes to how to get healthy and, you know, be strong. So up until 27, what were your what were your hobbies? What were you doing? Like, what occupied your time? Because I know the gym takes up so much of your time now. I mean, it's your life. It's everything. So, But I think it came into my life at the right time because when, I mean, before then, I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, or I was a, I basically said I was a jack of, or Jill of all traits. I knew how to do everything. I knew, you know, I did everything to still be home with the kids and bringing money. So from landscaping to uh, being a personal organizer, um, I had a couple commercial jobs in the, in between there, but for the most time I was a stay-at-home mom. Hmm. And, I mean, that job itself is, is super rewarding too because I don't want to take anything away from the moms out there because, you know, I love the moms. Moms are great. But what uh, what was the trigger for you to say, okay, I've got to stop just doing that and become the person you are now. Well, I think staying at home, you know, raising your kids, you think it's just that, but it ended up sucking the life out of me, uh, volunteering for absolutely everything, you know, small group or um, the church people. And it's just like everyone needed a meal every single day of the week to um, the weekends being booked for me. And it was just kind of like, okay, I'm giving so much of myself to everybody around me, but no one's helping me when I need help. So just dropping that off and refocusing on taking care of me. And that was kind of like the whole thing of going through weight loss was I told the kids like, look, I need to go get healthy and I'd go to the gym and people were like, well, who watches your kids while you work out? And it's like, they have a dad, <laughs> you know, and he does exist, know? right? Yeah, I mean, I he's, like, he's, he's the thing. Yeah. I think everybody just felt like everything just fell onto the mom. And I felt that pressure too. And I was like, just because I'm a mom doesn't mean I have to lose myself and not go after my goals. And so I've kept with that theory all along and, you know, the girls understand it and they've been taught to also reach out to either family members or friends to get them to get wherever they need to go. It doesn't all have to fall on me. And I think that's like the biggest thing and pressure we put on ourselves as moms. Yeah. I've met your girls and they're probably two of the most like respectful girls I've ever met in my entire life. I mean, they're super polite. They ask for everything. They just jump in. They wherever they're needed, whatever needs to be done, they're just right, right there. Yep. I was I was very impressed with your girls when you brought them to Kentucky <laughs> that time. Um, and they're always welcome to come back. Just so you know, they're always welcome down there. Thanks. Um, so I I think it's great that you're able to do that. Um, but I see where like a lot of people give you know women flack for, well you're at the gym all the time. So <laughs> what happens to your kids? They they grow up. Yeah. They still do. Like they still exist. So. It's like the goal was to make them, you know, so independent and they were like four, no longer really needing me for anything. <laughs> it was them taking care of me, take, you know, making my shakes or making sure the house was perfect for me to come home and relax. But, you know, it's like I raised them to be that way. And at this point in the game, it's like, 
they understand we have to work hard we have to go after what we want in life and you know we are all rewarded by either traveling or the things that they want to go and do so do they have any fitness goals based off of what you do Sophia is so good with basketball right now and uh, Zoe has started volleyball volleyball so now she's trying out for uh, the traveling team Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it's great that they both have found their own little thing to get into. And I was never going to put it on them to lift weights or I mean, they did compete at one point. Um, but I'm not going to force them to go after what I do. Right. Let them be them. Yeah. Let them be themselves and kind of pick what they what they want on their own. Exactly. That's a that's a a great way to think about it. And yet society somehow like can't wrap their head around that shit i just think a lot of parents have failed themselves by not going after their own goals to Mm -hmm. their true potential which is why me as a mom feels like i don't have to give up my goals just because i'm a parent and they tend to put that on their kids like i couldn't be the best ballet you know dancer so now i want you to be you know that stage kid and i'm gonna sit back here and watch you live out my dream Mm -hmm. and that's the whole thing like you know in my family i just told them like Okay, it's not like I can tell you, hey, you go to the gym for me and you lift these weights. You fly clear across the world and do that competition for me. I'll sit back here and, you know, chill. Mm-hmm. When I put it that way, they're like, oh, okay, like, no, you have to go do the work if you want to get anywhere. Right. So how old are your girls now? 14 and 9. 14 and 9. That's, isn't that like the meanest ages for girls? In that when that kind of I guess, but <laughs> well, I, it really it's between like what two and eighty. But you know, if you if you dial it down, that's like the meanest ages. So it's so funny that people like keep on sending me things like of how kids act and stuff like that. I'm like, I just never have dealt with that. Like when Sophia was two years old, she thought I would turn green because people started calling me She Hulk in the gym, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this kid thinks I'm going to turn green if I get mad. So then I figured out how to use my words as a parent and for me to never have to discipline. i just be like, all right, I'm about to turn green because I see shoes out. And mm-hmm. your book bags are where they're supposed to be for the next day, but they're still annoying me because they're out. <laughs> and so <laughs> they'd just be like, okay, well, mom's going to turn green, so we'd hurry up and clean up everything. And that was it. Hmm. So I've never had to give them, you know, uh, I don't even know what people call it. Discipline? Well, there's discipline, but what else? You get like grounded, grounded. I've never grounded them. I'm like, I don't know. They just do what I say. (laughs) Yeah. But they understand that it's a well-oiled machine, and if our house is at peace, then we can keep on going and doing. Yeah. It's not spending the weekends cleaning up and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. You you try so hard to get through the week, to get to the weekend, to clean everything, to start the week over again and do it all over again. Yeah, and it's just not our routine. Just hmm. stay on top of it. So what is the normal routine for you guys? I mean, your your day to day. I mean, cuz you're here you're here at the gym full time, mm-hmm. right? Or you're out competing. Right. Which is a lot of the time cuz you're at every big contest. You're one of the few athletes that do all of them. Well, we're so, a pro and if we want the sport to grow, you got to show up. Yeah. I wish that everybody else felt the same way. And our off season is where we get strong enough to be able to be healthy enough to do all the top shows. Right. So taking it back, your day to day. What do you, I mean? What's oh. take me through a life in the day of Brooke? All right, I guess I'll go on the normal days. Monday, Thursday are like the day, only days I work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all get up at the house, and basically, all of our food is already prepped beef and rice, and all the kids take beef and rice to school too. 
Oh, so they're on meal prep too. Yeah, I mean, they just know it's That's easy. It's so much easier. God, you have to like make yeah. lunches and bags. I don't have to and... think about what the heck to go to the grocery store for, and uh, I don't buy snacks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what people really eat, and the kids don't either. I'm just like, hey, Sophia, you want to go grocery shopping and pick out really cool vegetables? And she's like, no, I just want a cucumber. Okay, well, we're good. <laughs> just a cucumber. So, yeah. you know, we just, I don't know, we all have our own routine. The kids set their own alarms to get off the bed or off to school. Um, on the days that I'm not working, they get up on their own and they let me sleep in. So, because I don't lift till the evening on Tuesday, Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And they're after school activities, you know, they either have lined up with my sister or my mom and dad. They've got their own little routine on Tuesdays where they go grocery shopping with my dad and uh, he drops them off at volleyball. So They're like super self-sufficient. Yeah. like It's so... It's weird I, in one way, but then I'm just like, I'm proud in the other because it's like, you know, like this morning, I could have taken you to volleyball. Zoe, she's like, oh no, grandma's got it. Okay. You know I'm home. Sophia, you want to go to work with me? Because you're going to be home now by yourself because my ex has soccer this weekend mm-hmm. which isn't typical so it's nice scheduling where I don't have to worry about if I'm competing or traveling mm-hmm. that he's got the kids but no she she wanted to stay home and have her alone time so she's going to sleep in and get the housework done when she gets up <laughs> so they have a set list of chores that they do each day or no they just know whatever has to be done around the house is what has to be done they just do it yeah dishes That's are in so... the sink load the dishwasher trash needs to be taken out take it out like i don't i shouldn't have to tell you nobody tells me what i have to do daily mm-hmm. so figure it out on your own well matt did tell you to do those extra three reps he I did mean, tell me yeah. That. yeah he did <laughs> say that you were like yeah i'm so excited <laughs> not really no i don't want to do that <laughs> you know um that's i like i want to i want to use the word weird but that should be the norm like that's it's how we were raised. I mean... That's the way it should be. If but... my mom came home and saw the house mess, she would have ripped our heads off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, she was a stay-at-home mom, too. But, you know, when my dad came home from work, everything was done. It was, let's have family dinner, and we could spend the rest of the day doing whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. But same with, like, homework. Like, I was homeschooled, so we were sent to, like, okay, here, you go and do your work and just get it done. You were homeschooled. Yeah, from fifth See, grade that, on. We should have we should have talked about that on the uh, who is Brooke part, oh, yeah, like the beginning. That. Like, oh yeah, by the way, I didn't go to any sort of uh, public education and had that all at home. Yeah, so, I wanted to graduate early. Well, I didn't want to be a follower. That was the first reason why I begged my parents to homeschool me. Mm-hmm. And so even like as with kids with their homework, I I don't help them. No, you sit down and you figure it out. That's not my job. It's, like, it's your guys' job to do good in school. And that is your work. This is my work. Mm-hmm. So what happens if they get stuck? What do you do? I don't... They haven't gotten stuck. That's public school. Yeah, it shouldn't be that bad. Yeah. It can't be that hard. I well, mean, fuck, like, if I can make it, anybody can make it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to help them if they got stuck. Maybe I guess that's why they call on Alexa or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Google and Alexa and everything else going on, I mean... All the information. I was is like, there. they come home with A's. I shouldn't have to go to your parent teacher conferences, which I don't waste time doing because, like, you're, big waste of time. I told them, I'm like, you should do good enough in school that I should never have to come to your school. Mm-hmm. And now their teachers are like, but they want to meet you. And I was like, oh dear. 
Do they though? They no, only they want to meet me because I'm now America's strongest woman. That's why. That's what it is. Yeah. They're they're fangirling now. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> even like... down to the janitor at the school, but it, they even the people in the office they know I'm not going to come in. It's like it's there's not a problem, and that's how it should stay. There's no reason for me to come in. So if it's not like something health related, you're just not going. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's a crazy way to think of it because so many parents are just all in their kids' lives, just trying to run it for them and. They need they to don't. make their own decisions. They yeah. need to find out who they are, too. Mm-hmm. Not me making all the decisions for them and helping them every time they get stuck. Mm. Now, is that what you've always felt, or is that something that yeah, kind of came through just the experience? I have always felt that way because my parents were the same way. It was just kind of like you go out there and you set your dreams, but you're going to go work your ass off for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was nine years old selling candy with a needle in my leg going up and down like driveways with three feet of snow selling candy. Because I wanted a freaking nine-inch TV. What, a needle in your leg. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got to cover it. We got to. We got to at least touch base on that needle in your leg. My mom is a quilter, and I was like probably seven or eight. I'm trying to think because I was still in school. Um, and I was putting a movie in the VCR, and uh, a needle went in my leg with like the yellow ball. So they're like, "Well, if you were a guy, we would do surgery, but since you're a female, and you probably can't handle the pain." We're just going to leave it in there. So it's what? There. <laughs> so you still have a needle in your leg? So I complained that night. I was like, Mom, like my leg really hurts. She's like, oh, there's just a little tiny spot there. Like, suck it up, you know, type deal. And that's like how we were raised. It was like never, you know, we didn't get coddled, yeah. you know. And I fell down all the time. And obviously with all the scars I have from riding my bike and whatnot. But in the same way with my kids, I'm like, okay, well, get back up and keep going. So let's go back to this needle thing. Is it yeah. still there? It's still in there. What? Yeah. It's still in your leg? Yeah. Even after all this time? They said they won't take it out. Why? <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's a needle. Just, you know, grab it, pull, it, it mm. should come out. But how fucking deep did it go? I don't know. Can, we can still see it? We can still see it. No fucking way. That's insane. It's like right in here. Somewhere in there. And it doesn't cause you any kind of pain? Like, you don't... No. Really? It's just, just a part of you? Because after, like... Right. After it happened, I complained about the pain. You know, I was told, suck it up. So, I did. Just a foreign object. Which I guess, totally like, why, pain. like, you know, when I compete and things happen, it's just like, well, it's just skin. It's not like I did anything else. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have seen your hands ripped open, you know, several times. Yeah. Just a few times. Yeah. Speaking of which, as, we, as I just jumped subjects completely, have you gotten that fixed to where your hands don't rip all the time yeah what did you do it's a big secret oh it's a big secret yeah all right it's called don't hire a pretender of a coach don't hire a pretender where you of start a coach. using straps from your very first set uh-huh because that made my hands weak uh-huh. and basically i went from deadlifting to uh 75 foot grip with no straps january of 2018 to pulling 500 pounds, flip grip, no straps, July of 2018. So that's a really big jump. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's a big deal. So I- if you're not competing, get rid of the equipment. Mm-hmm. No need for it. Exactly. Just get stronger. It's like, who cares if you fail at 275? I felt pretty weak that day, mm-hmm. but I had to get my grip stronger. That's super awesome. I'm really glad you're not ripping your hand open anymore. Cause that, oh, me too. Those those things looked fucking brutal. That was hard to prepare for. 
Yeah, there's no way to like be ready for Mentally, that. Mentally, yeah. I would go into a competition knowing, okay, this is the pain you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And I would have to prepare for it. Yeah, that just takes you out of your game. You can't yeah. even when you're when you're thinking I'm going to tear this skin off. And it's not like like I've seen calluses get torn off and that's cute and mm-hmm. fine or whatever. But like large chunks would come off your hand. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at it and I would cringe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen some horrible shit, you know, through this sport and through my life. And that was like God, that fucking sucks. But then you have to continue. Mm-hmm. And you never quit when that happened either. No. So that's. A... I think the first time you it happened, mm-hmm. it was at April 2016 down in Kentucky. Yeah. I was there for that one. Because it was on the car deadlift. I was mm-hmm. using the straps, and then when the farmer's carry fell out of my hand, it went to my chest and tore my leg open too. Yeah. It was, it was, I still got up and finished the freaking (laughs) event. (laughs) A lot, a lot of people that watch this sport or that, or, you know, they think they're a part of it. They don't necessarily understand all the things we put our bodies through. Right. They don't quite get it. It's like, no, just pick it up and go. Um, there's that or when people are like, go ahead and be first. I'm like, I don't always need to be first. And you have no clue what I put my body through. And I know where I'm at with each event too, going into a show. Right. So, but in my recent memory, the only injury you've really had has been the skin ripping off your hand. Yeah. That's been it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's very different from all the other athletes that I know that are hurt like once, two, three, seven times a year because they're <laughs> fucking themselves up. And yet, you compete in all the big shows, mm-hmm. all the major ones, you're there. You travel for all these other ones. You're still, com- are you still doing powerlifting? I still train like a powerlifter. Okay. Um, so you're still doing all the big strongman shows, mm-hmm. strongwoman shows, and yet no torn ligaments, no torn muscles, no broken bones, Nothing. no, no major things. What is the one thing that's different that everybody else is doing that sets you apart? Training events specifically. Okay. In what way? Okay. So let's go back to America's Strongest Woman. I hadn't even touched three out of the five of those events in over 13 months. Mm-hmm. How did I win a show if I didn't touch them? I mean, you were just stronger. You were just okay, so Kaz says if you're overall strong, doesn't matter what the events are. Right. Okay, if I have four world shows in eight weeks, you can't train, what is that, 26 events? Yeah, Because Worlds has six. Yeah. So you can't train or whatever four times five, 20, 21 events. Mm-hmm. You can't train 21 events in eight weeks cycle. Right. So if you're overall strong, who cares what the events are? Mm-hmm. Who cares how they're set up, what implement we're using, all that shit. But everybody else is, oh my gosh, 16 weeks out. I got to know what the events are. Are we using Bartos log? Are we using uh, beast metals? Okay. But what color is the shirt? Yeah. Does any of that matter? No. That's always the biggest question. It's what color is the shirt because my socks got to match. That shit drives me insane um, because I just look at people and I'm like, why? Why are you wasting my time? But the thing is, though, as a promoter, I'll answer those questions mm-hmm. because you have to. You got to keep them happy. <laughs> you just you have to do it. And it's like it, it hurts my soul a little bit. It's like, God, I don't really want to tell you. Because the the black and the red yolk are both exactly the fucking same. We just use two different cans of paint. Mm-hmm. They're exactly the same. But it fucks with everyone's head because they have to know 
what everything feels like. So they overtrain. They have to know, did I get the comp weight? Mm-hmm. It's like, does it matter? Every video leading into any big show, it's comp weight this, comp weight that. Yeah. 80% of comp weight, 110% of comp weight, however <laughs> much it was. And it's like, I, that shit just doesn't work. When I went to Iceland, I got to sit down with uh, Magnus for Magnuson. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've known him for years, but we've had some good talks. And this last time, it was just like, man, why is it that the old school way is what is going to work? And everybody thinks they're going to reinvent the wheel, but it's really just show up and be strong that works. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what Maggie did. He just went to each show. They'd be like, hey, there's a show on Saturday. He was like, okay. Yeah. We're going to go. And, you know, they would do 20 shows a year through the summer because the winter you're not doing shit in Iceland. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you. There's just, you're, you're, you're lucky to be awake. That's about it. Um, but they would do all their shows in the summers and they would just do them every week. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what the fuck the event was. And back then they were being super creative with all their things because they were making it up as they go. Yeah. You no, know, there wasn't the amount of standardization that we have now. They weren't running six lanes of anything back then. One at a time. Mm-hmm. There was 10 guys. And that was it. Fucking that show took a day. Yeah. And that was all there was. So it's nice to see that the old school method is what's working. Yeah. And everybody that's trying to reinvent shit, it doesn't work. The one that's the healthiest and in the game the longest is the strongest. Usually, yeah. Well, you're never going to be the same after you have an injury. Mm -hmm. The body will remember all that. And they're not competing right now. There's been a lot that's just, they're just Huge out. Huge turnover. So what are you doing um, outside of the gym that helps save ligaments, save muscles? What kind of what kind of recovery stuff are you doing? I mean, do you do like hot cold baths? you do an acupuncture? you do massage therapy? Um, it's funny because like, like, that just kind of goes through waves depending on, you know, the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, off season, I'm doing a lot of more conditioning work on my off days. But getting closer to a competition, I'll do like an ice bath tomorrow, Monday, because I fly out Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably do one like Monday and uh, Tuesday. What, like, sh- what show you got going coming up? World's Strongest Woman. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't follow that one. That's <laughs> some other people. I don't. I don't have anything to do with this one. Because there's another place that they call theirs World's Strongest Woman, and I don't. Uh, I don't care about that one either. So, <laughs> but uh, so this is Florida, right? Yeah, Daytona. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to that one. So, I'll go, I'll go to the that other one that said Worlds, um, the one that's on like ESPN. I go to that one, uh-huh. and that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> if it ain't uh, if it ain't my organization, I just don't go. Yep. <laughs> I just don't give shit. Um, but the fact that you can do all the fucking shows, it's 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 incredible. Yeah. Because there's not another athlete that does. You're right. Um, because they all this is pick my and second choose. year where last year I mean, I'm trying to think. Well, I've done all the shows to begin with, but the last two years, I've only been able to do, like, top four being a pro. Mm-hmm. So, again, i just like, well, if they want to grow the sport, show up and play. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, if I can't beat who's in my weight class, then I'm not going to go. And I'm just like, you see, and I, I guess I, I'm such a fan of the pro strongman mm-hmm. that when you watch them, it's like, okay, you got Shaw, who just plays fourth. Sometimes he's first. Sometimes he's second. Sometimes he's third. You know, but you're going to remain the top five. Mm-hmm. Same with Jerry Pritchett. And it's just kind of like, okay, you get to watch those guys, and they're all over the board based on who shows up and what the events are. Yep. 
and it should be no different for us females. Okay. It doesn't make me any less of an athlete. Nope. I thought I'd be last place in Alaska and I ended up qualifying for Arnold. So you just don't know like how things are going to play out based on who comes and what the events are. Right. And that's, I think that's the thing that a lot of people, they, they worry about so much. They're like, if I'm not going to win, I'm not going to go. But guess what? Like, like I haven't had any less, like any less or any more, um, recognition based on my first place finish last mm-hmm. week to my third the week before. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And that's just it. Like, why would you put miles on your body the way people are if nobody's going to give a shit three months later? Right. You just got to... This doesn't pay my bills. So what can you do to train smart and to compete smart to where you can walk away and do another show a week later? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, or at the, well, at the end of a career, you know, you'll be in your, your 50s, maybe 60s. Mm-hmm. And do you want to limp? Exactly. I don't even want to, at 40, 40 years old, do you really want to look like trash? No, I don't want to look like trash ever. I mean, I, I, it's hard work looking this good. (laughs) So Um, it's the whole thing of like, if you can't walk or bend over to put your shoes on at 40, like, mm, did you really win in your career? No, no, you didn't. So it's about, you know, going as far as you can without the miles on your body is what Matt's taught me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's played a huge role in like you know how far I'll push it in a competition like I you know am very in tune with my body and how I feel and where my numbers are at and I know when to push it and when not to and so in Texas I was like all right 525 was my PR there or sorry 535 and I was like well I could have done another set but then I was like I told him like no I didn't want to hitch there I wanted to just leave it on the field because I still had a one rep max deadlift two weeks later mm-hmm and I knew I wanted to pull 545 in Florida, and I did. Mm-hmm. But it was no sense in like killing myself for the very first show. Mm-hmm. I still had a PR, so once you have a PR, it's like, okay, walk away. It's almost like gambling. Yeah. Like, hey, I just hit this jackpot. Now, do I want to stick it all back in the machine, or do I want to go get a stick? Which is exactly what I talked to Dion about. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. can we strategize for a minute? I was like, I just pulled 545, but does that take me for the win, or do I need to go try 565? She's like, you're good. And I was like, okay, walk away. Don't get greedy. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll see some shows where they'll they'll do that that little extra for the crowd or something else. If it's within their wheelhouse mm-hmm. and it's, it's a capable lift, then I'm all for it. But if it's going to be like a lifetime PR type deal and they've already won the event, I'll be like, hey. Like knock and it that off. was stupid when you go and do that because now you just injured yourself. And I yeah. saw that happen, what, earlier this summer? Yeah, that might have happened a couple of times. Yeah, And I'm just like, you should have just walked away with the PR and world record you had. Mm-hmm. You still had a whole other show to finish. That was stupid. Yeah. And it happens to athletes all the time. And it's like, and you may not be back. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, full it, could, potential. it could be that career ender. Yeah. It could be that one. And it's like, man, you didn't need to even fucking do that. No, you didn't. So when I, when I look at, you know, final events typically are stones because, you know, there's tacky and it's gross and that should be the last thing we do. Mm-hmm. And I see somebody that's, okay, three reps and they won, but they want six. Yeah. And on the fifth one, pop goes pop. the bicep. Yeah. I'm like, fucking, it makes me sad. I just look at him and I just, I just kind of put my head down and I'm like, man, this is, this is terrible. I'll go I mean, up to him. I'll, I'll give him a hug, you know, and be like, hey guys, you know, if you need something, you know, you let me know, but. Your life's going to suck for the next six months. Yeah. Like, it's going to be shit. And 
I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, when I'm, I try to give, you know, athletes that I'm, I'm with as much information as possible. So they know what they have to do. Right. Cause I've found like, as I go to these shows by myself, I've really have to pay attention and listen like, okay, well, what do I really need to do? Or, um, but again, like not caring what other people are doing in my mm-hmm. class. Cause I don't care. You just kind of focus on and, you. But then it's like, I make sure I look at the field. And I'm like, there was pee all down the field last weekend. And I'm like, I'm carrying some serious weight. I could really hurt myself. So I was like, yeah, you guys could clean this up, but it could still probably be wet. But I was like, no. Told the promoter, move it to a dry spot. And I went, you know, I was like, now I'll go. Mm-hmm. But I got to look out for me. There's no sense in, in hurting yourself or Competing something. Competing on dirt. Like mm-hmm. every step, I was just jostled every left, you know, <laughs> every single step. And I was like, you know what? This isn't worth it to me. And I literally just sat it down. And I was like, walk away. Mm-hmm. I went around another time and a half more than I had in training. And I was like, I'm good. Put me, I think, second to last in that event. But it wasn't worth it to me with everything else that I had still ahead. Mm. See, I I have a show on dirt every year. Um, it works for me because it works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've had people say, well, why don't you just change the dirt surface? I'm like, that's a great idea. Then you got to change venues. Which means that quadruples my price. Right. Which means I got to turn signups into two hundred dollars signups in order for you to compete, and then I'm not going to get a hundred people. Right. So, you know, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't work out the same way. So I try to mitigate everything that I can by doing you know a dirt contest. I'm looking for stuff. It's it's moving events, but it's never anything where you have to be explosive. Mm-hmm. So you could fall. So it's anything where it's not as safe as possible. Um, the the last contest I did down there, we had two injuries. You know one of them very well because yeah. uh, it was it was poor Heather, and I was so sad because I love Heather to death. Um, but it was a an ACL and a bicep tear, both on the yoke, one in warm ups and one on the field. Yeah, and you can see exactly why they both happened, and it wasn't because of the dirt. Um, there were a lot of other factors that kind of really went into it, and when I saw that that injury that happened down in Texas that one sucked to to watch it happen and to see how it went down it was like okay but i can see why it happened Mm -hmm. and with that particular event that can happen just as easily on one of these slick ass convention center floors if that's the case then just the the spotters promoters need to be taking more caution for the athletes right you don't have that high level of a show and you have your pros getting injured Mm -hmm. and you know change out that apparatus yeah Make that something a little different. I, just, I mean, for that example, I mean, I know how we set up on a concrete gym in, in town, but, mm-hmm. you know, I also think, like, okay, instead of competing on dirt, at least go to a freaking, like, grocery store parking lot. <laughs> like, go back to those days if that's the case. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're at a, a world-level contest, you should have the best of everything. Um, I try to do the best that I can with, with shows that I do. Um but it's, that's not necessarily what it's about. It's about that difference, you know. There's shows on grass. There's shows on dirt. There's shows in parking lots. There's shows on convention floors. Um, everything kind of happens. And, you know, at Worlds, you've competed a lot of different surfaces just in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've you've seen all the And I know what shoes to wear according to yeah. each surface. But So that, that brings me back to another thing. You're one of the few pro women athletes that don't have a bag bitch. I know. Most of them have somebody that's tagging right along with their thumb up their ass <laughs> that's telling them what to do. And, oh, my God, and they have to be told. 
And that's strange to me because these are like the strongest women in the world. I think... And they're not that independent. And that's weird. It comes from... I had a pretender of a coach for the first two years of competing. And... I guess it's just like how much I actually trusted him mm-hmm. to make all those decisions for me. And then it was like, okay, well now I am only responsible for me. And nobody understands what it's like putting yourself out there on that field. What can happen once you're out there and how are you going to respond or react or um, anything can go wrong at that point. Mm-hmm. All comes back to just me. Well, if I'm not aware of how things need to go, and I'm not in control of me, then I'm leaving that into somebody else's hands. Right. And for a novice lifter, I think that's fine. Um, I've had a, a lot of girls that I've trained that if you tell them what the weight is, mm-hmm. they won't lift it. Yeah. They just can't. But if you don't tell them, pick it up all day long yep. and they'll be fine. For a novice lifter, that's fine. That that works. But when you reach the level that you're at, you have to have some kind of consciousness of what you're doing and, and where you're going mm-hmm. and be able to make those decisions. Because if you're in a, a heads-up log press, well, you only need four, but they've got six. Yeah. Well, I've got to I've got to beat that person, but well, they're in last place. Right. But the press is like their best event that are going to win. So you have to have enough mental fortitude about you to go, okay, I really only need the four. Right. I'm okay with second place in this event. That's fine. Because like I on that medley, like I knew the dumbbell was my one rep max mm-hmm. by itself, fresh. Yeah. It's part of a medley. I couldn't get it locked into my lat. I'm not willing to hurt my shoulder. Right. I've seen too many people blow their shoulders out. And I'm like, well, if my lat doesn't, isn't supporting the weight, then why am I going to attempt to press it? So I called it a day. Mm-hmm. Am I mad that I was second place in that event? No. I've won the last four events. Yeah, second place so in that event was, like, was totally fine. It's okay. Yeah. For me, watching that from a distance it was hard to keep track of because of just trying to catch the videos and when they were coming and when they were going mm-hmm. meanwhile when i'm there that i know up to the minute of what's right. going on <laughs> but watching it at a distance hurts so much because it's like i want to be there but i can't, I can't. so because i had to be at asm in kentucky yeah. the next day so i was like well you mean you couldn't drive through the night to make it back up to kentucky there were some people that flew back up. I know. It was crazy. Um, I can't believe that she... I saw her there, and I was like, how yeah. did you... Yeah, I she... was like, are you fuck? He's, she's like, yeah, Jeff's got to compete. I'm like... Or James got to compete. I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he's here. And he did great. I mean, he had a, he had a great yeah. day. So, um, I was impressed with that show. For the, for the 105K class, that was the most 105s I've actually seen show up. That's really cool. And that was, that was awesome. It was like... 12, I love that group. 12 or 13 of them. Um... And yet, somehow, they complained more than all the women ever have. It was weird. Go ahead. You good? Yeah. <laughs> Just slight intermission. It's okay. All my clients are coming in right now. Oh, perfect. So they all want to talk to you now. Yeah. Uh, right in the middle of everything. So it's fine. Um, I don't have a hard out till like 11. So we should be good. It's what, 1030 now? All right. Yeah. So we're good. We're okay. So moving forward, what do you got coming up? <laughs> well, I've got that in, you know, five days. Five days. And then after that, I'll be off season for a short little time before getting ready for Arnold. Arnold is fun. So with that being your first show, it's, it's always fun. It's always a good time. As soon as, you know, they tell you what you got to do and what color everything's going to be and what the shirts are. <laughs> um with with you getting ready for the Arnold as your first 
your first show coming back, do you prep for that one differently than any other show following uh, throughout the year? No. Last year, well, 2019, Arnold was my last show of mm-hmm. my season. Mm-hmm. And that was like my sixth show in like nine months. So that was, a, I don't know. I think I kind of like this four shows in eight weeks better than having six shows drawn out over nine months because I just took 11 months of my life of just being home and gym. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, this year um, it'll probably just be different. Going in the Arnold Fresh will be definitely a different Yeah, because you don't have to fly. You don't have to. I mean, you drive, what, four minutes? Yeah. It's like not far. Not when that showed up here, I was like, God, I had no idea it was this close to downtown. Yeah. It's like the, the convention center will probably just become this building soon. Like <laughs> probably. It, probably, it, it keeps the growing. It's growing out yeah. like this. It's just, we won't be here long. This this whole city is going to become the convention center. Mm-hmm. That's all it's going to be. So with that being, you know, the the number one show of the year versus last year, that's a that's a big swing. Yeah. So you have a huge advantage going into that show. And with yeah. with the list that's coming, I mean that's a that's a major major fucking show. How do you feel you're going to do? I don't know. I haven't like, hey. thought about it yet. Too far get, away? Yeah, too far away, and I don't know what my goal is for it. Mm. Like, it honestly was not my goal to go back to Arnold 2020. Really? Why? It was way too much this year, and I think it was because it was the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. Once it gets closer, I'll have a better, clearer understanding about what I want out of Arnold and where I feel like I want to go with it. Okay. As with I do with each show. So then what are the what are the rest of the 2020 plans? 2020 or 2019? Wait, we're in 2019. Yeah, 2019 now. It's rest 20, of 2019? No, the plans? rest of, well, 2019 is off season. Yeah. You, you got a cruise to get ready for. Cruise and, uh, in January Christmas, and then. Um, yeah. Thanksgiving. I yeah. Mean, the Halloween was the, this weekend, so you're good there. Yeah, uh, Halloween will be when I'm flying. Yeah, so there's really nothing else. So there you got holidays and nothing. So for 2020... I don't you. know what the schedule will be for competing. But what do you want out of 2020? I mean, you know what shows there will be. Yeah. They'll be close to the same kind of dates-ish. Probably. Sort of. <laughs> um, locations will change. But, I mean, what do you want out of 2020? Do you want to win four out of five? Are you trying to win them all? What What do you want to be, nah. you know, your goal for that? Honestly, it's just stay in the top five. Stay in top five and... Injury-free. Yeah. Like, I really don't have a goal of being first at any show. Just to be able to go and... Because mm-hmm. now, like, I don't know. It might come to me later, but right now, that's not my goal. Okay. I think be remain top five and to show up and play at each show is... And walk away injury-free and continue with PRs. So, how long do you continue to do Strongwoman? Uh, we'll see. How many more years? I mean, because you're year. like you know super young now, so you're you've got so I many like more to years. I think that there are. Um, I like to think that there's like four more years. You think four more for you to be yeah. at the top of your game? Well, I mean, and then I'll be done. You think? Maybe. Yeah, I hear so many people say that. That's why I asked that question. I hear so many people say that again. Like I don't want to be broken at forty years old. Yeah, but if you remain injury free this whole time, yeah, you won't be broken. It'll only be like take my lifting age to like nine, because I've only which been lifting is, for four years, yeah, starting which, my fifth. Which makes you like a super baby. Yeah. Everybody else is like I've been lifting since I was eleven. 
I wish. Yeah. The last two podcasts I've done, um, one was with uh, Janae Marie, and she started when she was five. And then we did Shane Hammock yesterday, and he said he started when he was like 10 or 11. Uh-huh. And that's when he's like, oh, that's it. And every day since then, he's lifted. So for you to start at this, I won't say late stage in life, but just to be so young of, of gym life, mm-hmm. um, do you think that gives you an advantage or a disadvantage as far as how you how you're able to look at it? Or does Matt help a whole lot with changing your perspective on that? Matt helps a lot with that. I mean, one, just the longevity part, and then... Two, just staying healthy. Hmm. But I've also built my business around um, me competing. Hmm. So how many clients do you have right now? About 45. Are they all from here? Or are they... No. You got a lot of online stuff. Online and then in the gym. Okay. So when you're doing online clients, because I, I see you in Kentucky like all the time and you never mm-hmm. stop and see me. Mm-hmm. I'm still bitter about that shit. <laughs> Especially when you're like five miles from my house and I see the pictures and I'm like, really? You were hanging out at Heather's and you didn't even come up. Didn't even like be like, hey, Dave, meet me at this place. No, no. Heather's my, is my getaway. My like nobody knows where I am place. Yeah, I absolutely know where Heather is all the time. Yeah. And you know, damn it. I go down there and it's like, cool. Nobody knows where, where I am. Yeah. No one misses me. I'm just like offended. It's okay. <laughs> I'm totally in my feels about that shit. Um, but like. I've seen you go down there to check on clients. Mm-hmm. How many others are you checking on, like around the country? I do the same thing everywhere I go. Everywhere. Uh huh. That's a lot of that's a people lot of... in Texas. They came to me to meet me, and uh, I have people from the East Coast come down here. And actually, next weekend, one's coming down. Mm-hmm. Arnold, everybody's coming <laughs> to my house. So yeah, everybody will be here. You know, Arnold, yeah. I was like, told all my clients they can all stay at my house, and I usually get a hotel downtown anyway. You just give up your house and just go, get, just go get a hotel. It's like, this I was is like, easier. Um, yeah, for like the last four Arnolds, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Let people from overseas like stay at my house for free, help with their travel costs. Or... And hopefully that comes back to you when you travel to their places so yeah. you don't have to spend as much money either. Exactly. Because although I love this sport of strongman, I really do, it doesn't make a lot of money. Right. <laughs> really difficult to make money in this sport unless you're doing you know like you are with with training or have some other sort of side hustle to make it work so that's that's an interesting concept you just give up your house you're like fuck it yeah. here you go so i don't care what people do i've got plenty of you know places for people to sleep and enjoy well i'm sure that helps them and then you're not there so you don't have to see it so you're like ah, i'm not i'm just not gonna be there yeah but i, so. I think i have like a good group of uh, you know, circle around me where everybody is very respectful and mm-hmm. I would never have to worry. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm sure you can trust And then them. something else happens. Like, do I really care? I'll fix it when it, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> when things go bad, I always have, all right, well then I'll deal with it then. But yeah, stuff, stuff that, can break when you're there too. You know, yeah. water heaters go out, like shit happens. So yeah. yeah. Keeping that, that amount of low stress. Cause all the time you're just pretty much smiling. Yeah. You're in a good mood. The majority of the time <laughs> you may have bitched me out before, I can't remember an exact scenario, but I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> um, but like most of the time you're just kind of in a really good mood. Yeah. So how do you do that? I mean, are you doing any kind of, I guess, I guess this pushes more back towards like the passive stuff, meditation or, you know, any other kind of, you know, mental work. It's called to make you better. get rid of every toxic person in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't have any stressors. 
build you know a business and life that you can't that you don't need to escape from mm -hmm. so anytime I travel I apply that to my home life and that way I don't always have to leave well, that, that does make it easier mm -hmm. um, I've adopted a, a phrase uh, ATP always think positive mm -hmm. and the getting rid of toxic people that one's that one's really big yeah. um, I've gotten rid of the majority of them but then they, they filter back in from time to time because they're always wanting something everybody wants something they all want something but what I have found that because I have so many great people in my life and I mean this podcast is really a testament mm -hmm. to that I'm just talking to all my friends yeah, all the people that I love and care about I just get to go talk to them and everybody else gets to hear it and it's yeah. great so when I think about the people in my life the negative ones are never first and foremost they're never on the front of my mind they're never like right there it's like oh yeah that one person I don't talk to them yeah so they don't really they don't really matter so just focusing on the positive that gets you through yeah you don't have to do anything else no therapy no, no well we are like... we are on the therapy couches <laughs> that's what I've heard them refer yeah. to so I don't know, you just wake up each day and be like okay well what do you you feel like doing today all right well I guess I'll go do that mm-hmm and then you go about your life because everyone's always working to pay bills on, I don't know, working to pay for things that they don't even have. Yeah, that they don't need. And it's like, or... yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just have really simplified my life in, you know, living in contentment so I can go and do more. So what's it like, the, the fact that you're in Columbus, I mean, this is kind of the... It's pretty much the strength capital of the world. Mm -hmm. Between, you know, the Arnold being here, Westside being here, everybody that's come out of Westside, like Matt and everybody else, you know, this Rogue is here, Elite FDS is here. I mean, when you think of strength capitals, Columbus is always the one. Yeah. In within the city, because you're doing all like the Arnold festivals and all that other stuff too, what kind of uh what kind of a mindset is with local people here as far as strength and fitness? Do you feel like it's different than any other place that you go to? Mm, good question. I don't really notice it. I think like when I go to stores, like a lot more people recognize me. Mm -hmm. Costco is probably my biggest fan base. <laughs> you but, might be there a lot buying the beef and the rice. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah, they see me once a month and they're like, we haven't seen you forever. What's what's new? And like even down to the secret shopper knows me there. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I didn't really know that that about Columbus until September 2016 I was coming back from the UK and I was like wait a minute we have everything at our fingertips here mm -hmm. I was like so I, that's when I started researching coaches and a couple months down the road I found Matt mm -hmm. so I was just like man we have everything here that I need so anytime I'm training I'm just like I had to remind myself like whatever you need you can go find and train on or find the right people to help you yeah, because, I mean, you really have everything here. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay for shipping on any equipment. Yeah. You just go get it. Like, what the <laughs> hell, really? So when you found Matt, how did, how did you find him? Well, I knew my pretend of a coach, like, sweated him and idolized over him the, when I met him. Mm -hmm. But I just, like, had no clue, like, Matt trained clients or was here in town. Mm -hmm. And so we just read his article, and it was like... November 2014 when it came out, the Power Magazine. I'm just like, oh, okay. Then two years later is when I finally met him. Mm -hmm. And he's been here this whole time? Yeah. Is this same location? Same location for, I think, nine years. 
it's a good long time. Yeah. Especially for a gym, you know, to keep to keep clientele for that long. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of gyms turn and burn usually. So for Matt to be here and, and show that that longevity means a lot. Right. So when you first talked to Matt, how did that go? <laughs> uh, my back and triceps were trash. That was the first conversation I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was just talking about how weak I was. I was like, okay, well, I just competed at the strongest woman, or world's strongest woman then in the Mm -hmm. UK. Came back two months later to figure out that I'm the weakest in the gym. (laughs) So, yeah, we took it. I never squatted until I came here. And crazy how I got stronger. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that maybe your, your youth within the gym is actually a real benefit to you. Because you were able to come into really good training from the yeah. start, you had no bad habits. You didn't know how to screw up a squat. You weren't already fucking up a deadlift, so you got to learn. Oh, I was. Oh, oh yeah, my deadlift was horrible. But you weren't <laughs> set in it though. You, no, it's not something you've been doing since you were ten. It was you know? like okay, I was good at car deadlifts because you know, eighteen inch pick or whatever. But mm-hmm. coming from the ground, oh man, my hips were so weak. Mm-hmm. But you were able to learn. You know, mm-hmm. from one of the best. Yeah. From an early on, early on time. Right. So it's almost like he got a teenager with the maturity of a, you know, 30-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. So that, that helps a lot, you know, as far as for what he's able to do. He's a pretty intense guy. Yeah. Um, all the interviews I've ever seen of him or articles I've read or, or just meeting him a few minutes ago. Um, he's like, oh, hey, I'm Matt. Uh, why are you here? <laughs> I'm, I'm here for Brooke. Oh, okay. And he just went back to what he was doing. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm definitely the, the one that doesn't look like the rest in the room, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not uh, it's not like an aggressive way to go. It's just, he's just an intense guy. Uh-huh. So for you, is he like that all the time? We No, I think just the whole lifting group. Like we have our intense moments, and then we can all like just bullshit with each other, pick on each other. I'm usually mm-hmm. the one getting picked on. But I can just give it right back. So, I don't know. It's yeah. just a fun group. Mm-hmm. How how big is the group? I think we range from like six to eight. Is that... We don't typically let, you know, a lot of outsiders in right. during our lifting time just because mm-hmm. we are trying to... you got me competing, Teddy competing, and then, you know, it's Matt's time. So, making sure people don't interrupt, you know, his time. Right. I mean, that that's pretty valuable. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... There's a lot of education there. That's what, yeah. that's what people pay for is that, that education and time. Yeah. So within your guys' group, how how else would you would you would you call the dynamic? Is it more family based or is it like a work based? Family, because I think we all have each other's back. Mm-hmm. Are they the type of people you can call like at two in the morning, like, hey, I need this like now? Um, Teddy, yes. Matt, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt would be like, get an Uber, Brooke. <laughs> well, you are in Columbus. So you have that advantage. I don't have the advantage where I'm from. You've you've seen where I live. Yeah. There's no such thing as Uber out there, or Lyft. There's um, call a friend and they'll be there in 45 minutes to get you because they live that far away. Right. So okay. Um. So with your with your clients you have now, do you feel like you're maxed out, or do you have room for more? I've got room for more. Who do you want? Because, I mean, at this point, really, you're you're good. So do you get to kind of pick and choose now? Or do you just take anybody who's going to apply? Well, 
definitely people who do not stress me out and ones that I can help. <laughs> that shortens that list really quickly. <laughs> that yep. really takes that down. It was so. funny because like going into the season, I ended up getting like eight new clients in like July. And I was just like, oh, right at the beginning of my competition season. And I was like, okay, these you know, I'm going to have to educate these people about like what's about to happen and how you'll, mm-hmm. you know, you'll either get your programs or even right now, my group of ladies getting themselves started out in the gym right now. And it's like, because my established clients, you know, they've had for years, they mm-hmm. know how this process goes. Right. But it's always important for me to like teach new clients too. Okay. Like, all right, well, your program will be sent out, you know, a week earlier because I'm not here next weekend type deal mm-hmm. or, um, just, they know to back off with questions or, you know, annoying me or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but, but new clients don't know that. They want to ask you things like, what color is the t-shirt? Right. But they are like, um, I think I just attract the right people because all new clients have just been super supportive and just checking in on me mm-hmm. um, during this time too. So it's really neat to draw people into my journey as well. So it's kind of turned into a sales pitch at, at at some point during this here, but how much are you reaching out to clients? How often are you communicating with clients? Uh, pretty much a daily basis. Okay, is that yep. just general checking in, or how did this rep go? How did that rep go? Uh, general check in. Like a lot of times we're talking about, it's a lot of working with their personal life too, not just about the gym. So you feel like maybe it's not you're not just a strength coach, but more of a life uh, coach. Yeah, I hate that fucking word so much <laughs> mostly because like the the like the yogis and the liberals like use it and oh, it just, it just makes me hate it <laughs> okay because i'm like you're 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 a yoga instructor and you're a life coach and you fucking live in a barn like no i can't like be successful then be a life coach i guess because so much of my journey has been you know i worked through obviously a divorce of being married 14 years mm-hmm. um through lifting and finding out who I am through lifting and traveling to my strongman coach. So um, I guess there's just so much to learn through lifting weights about yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I see women who are, you know, insecure or unsure about where they want to go in life, it, it's a huge thing for me to pull out of them. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you can, it seems like you can relate to them much oh, yeah. better because you're, again, the, the youth in the gym that you have, I think is like an advantage to you. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because you're not beat up. You didn't learn all the wrong ways to do it. And you can really relate to anybody who's coming into you now. Yep. So for the clients you've got that you that you want in the future, would you prefer them to be local? Or are you totally fine with them just being online? Oh, I don't care where they are. Even I have a lot of local people who are online clients. Just because of time schedules mm-hmm. and stuff doesn't always work. And you're out of town a lot. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of time there. So... Um, with all of that, I think that kind of brings us to our, our heart out in about four minutes, and that's right about the time this timer runs out, too. So I want to say thank you for taking this time out of your busy day. Thank even, you. Even on a Sunday, you're always busy, um, to you know sit down and talk with us and kind of share a little bit with your life. Uh, I'm probably going to have you on again as we go through this next season, um, maybe before the Arnold. Okay. We'll sit down and maybe talk about that 2020 plan that you don't have yet. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people want to know because, again, you're the only one not getting hurt. Yeah. And you do all the shows. The rest of the girls are not doing that. Right. Um, they pick and choose, and they do this one, they do that one. 
you know, so the the conversation usually comes up of, well, so-and-so wasn't there, so this this contest doesn't count. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that. I call it bullshit. Yep. Because if you're the strongest <laughs> and you're fucking there. Show up. <laughs> yeah. If you don't show up, you can't say you're the strongest person in the world. Go and qualify to get to that show, too. Yeah. You've got to put in the work because, you know what, there's probably some person in some third world country somewhere that's stronger than everybody. Yeah. But they're not showing up the contest, so they don't fucking count. Right. So if you don't compete. Or what you used to do. Nobody cares what you used to do. Oh, the Eustas. Oh, I love Eustas. <laughs> Even when guys come up and tell me that, I'm like, okay, but what do you do now? Yeah, what are you doing right well, now? I definitely don't do legs anymore because I hurt myself. I'm just like, okay, what do you do now? Yeah, not legs. Uh, <laughs> you can't squat because, you know, that's bad for you. Yeah. Oh, Lord, I love those conversations. They're just <laughs> so much fun. They really are. But, again, Brooke, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, I'll make sure we get all your social media stuff in the descriptions. All the other fun things, how people can contact you about, you know, becoming a new client and anything else you can do for them. So we will, uh, we'll end on that. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This segment is brought to you by Bullstrong. Bullstrong is an apparel company started by a good, close personal friend of mine named Bull. Now, I'm here to tell you about what Bullstrong really is. Bullstrong's a mentality. It's a belief that you can do anything. You've trained your mind as hard as you have your muscles. You believe in yourself and you know your own potential. You're the type of person who stands up for what you believe in. You do what you say and no one doubts it. To be truly bullstrong, the word quit is not in your vocabulary. If you're listening to this and you instantly thought that fits your description, then support our brand. Proclaim to the world that you are indeed bullstrong. You can access Bullstrong on Facebook. Just go and search Bullstrong. He'll pop right up. You've got Bullstrong Apparel. It's bull-strongapparel.com. To put it simple, Bullstrong is a company that don't suck.